Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planners Financial Services member FINRA SIPC, guides clients with empathy in discovering and reaching their financial goals, and creates financial plans for clients so they can live their life by design. In these episodes, he relates his expert financial insights and discusses timely topics. Royal strives for excellence and has a passion for sharing his knowledge and supporting his community. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Good morning, Royal. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. It's uh, good to be back here with you uh, and I'm excited for today. Yeah, so am I. We've got James Monroe back on the show. What's going on, James? Hey, just hanging out here. Glad to see the rain. Get rid of the smoke. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Royal and I spoke about that on the last podcast. There was, You guys have been through an incredible time out there, and, and you, you're good, assume, I assume? Yeah, we got evacuated for a night, mm-hmm. and uh, house is still standing, so we're good. All right. Good, good to hear, James. So glad you're back on the show. Royal, wh- how did James earn his way back on your show? <laughs> well, I think last time we had brought him on just to talk about the basics, basics of life insurance. Mm-hmm. James has a, a extensive background in life insurance and designing life insurance for clients that fits their needs and, and fits into their financial plan. Uh, I brought James over from uh, Transamerica almost two years ago here, and it's been quite a ride. So with that being said, I thought we'd bring him on and do kind of a more of a formal introduction to James. James uh, is uh, now moving more into uh, financial advising and financial planning, and it's exciting to see him kind of take on this new role and step out of his comfort zone a little bit. He's been doing this a long time and brings a lot of wisdom uh, and knowledge to this. So uh, we want to just spend some time with James and uh, learn a little bit about his background. All right. Fantastic. Well, take it away. I'm here to learn about James. Perfect. Perfect. So, so James, you grew up in California, correct? I did. I grew up in California, lived a little bit in uh, Southern Washington for a few years and then grades started to drop. So my mom made me move back to California. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. And California fixed you. So you, uh, right. (laughs) I don't often hear of kids going back to Southern California to improve their grades. It's usually we're moving to somewhere rural to uh, get those grades back up. I think it was more parenting in Southern California. Okay. The lack of in Washington with my dad and then my mom being a little bit stricter. Okay. So mom said, come back here. Let's, let's get you fixed. So now, now you went to school for, you're going to need to say this because, because we were, we were talking about this the other day. Kinesiology. 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 Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Is that, it does have, does that have anything to do with the quinceanera? No. Okay, good, good. No. Uh, what is kinesiology? Kinesiology. <laughs> perfect, perfect. It's a movement of the human body. So it's an undergrad degree that most people get to go to physical therapy school. I originally out of high school wanted to be a physical therapist. Uh, second year in school, uh, you have to do some clinical time, and the physical therapist made me shave some big guy's back. I decided I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. 19-year-old kid. Just didn't want to do that. So I got a degree and uh, started a personal training company at 20. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. And uh, you you had an interesting kind of, I don't want to say hobby, but uh, you, you raced competitively, didn't you? I did. I raced uh, BMX, bicycle, motocross competitive, competitively and uh, raced professionally for about 10 years and, you know, broke a whole bunch of bones and 
11 concussions, which will probably explain a lot. <laughs> yeah, as, as it goes on, you start repeating yourself. Yes, yes. Now, you met your lovely wife uh, racing, didn't you? I did, actually. Her uh, her little brother, her youngest brother, is was world champion in 2016. So he was racing at a very high level. Uh, I was racing pro. I, it's funny because I was one of his idols. He saw me in the airport and was freaking out to come get a picture with me, and now I'm his brother-in-law. So, Oh, how the tables have turned. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. So, so, But now he's actually in physical therapy school down in Loma Linda, California, okay. which is where I was going to go. Um, he didn't have the experience of shaving somebody's back, apparently. Very nice. Very nice. It's, it's those early experiences that really can kind of shape a career there. So. Right. So are, are you thankful for that that back you had to shave? I am, yeah. actually. It really kind of set you on a different course, didn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't be here if uh, if it didn't. Perfect, perfect. So so you're 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 doing personal training there for for a while. Uh, and then you kind of transition into financial services and insurance. Yeah, actually, I was prospecting a lady to become my client at the gym, and she worked with Transamerica, and she said, uh, you know, hey, I'll teach you and train you how to do this industry, build a business, build a book of business, and I started to fall in love with it. And then in 2008, 2009, the economy got a little rocky, to say the least. <laughs> uh, I was in Palm Springs, California, which is a pretty small town, and 90% of my clientele were in the construction industry. So when construction went down, my business went down tremendously. So I sort of jumped in with both feet into this industry and trenched my way through the swamp that it is to get to where, to where you could build a book of business. Excellent. Excellent. And I know you started off just doing life insurance, but you really transitioned pretty quickly, I think, into uh, financial services, getting your, your licensing to sell mutual funds and, and variable annuities, that sort of thing. What kind of made you make that decision to not just do life insurance, but really kind of expand what you could offer people? Well, sitting down with people and seeing how the different products work and how different things work and one's better than the other for certain clientele and not having the ability to be able to offer it to them and having to bring somebody else in to do that and them not be my client now uh, to where they were now somebody else's client. I didn't have any control or access to any of their accounts made me want to get those licenses so I could offer everything that the company had to offer for my clientele. Oh, excellent. Excellent. And then you moved up here to the Southern Oregon area here a few years ago. What kind of prompted that? So my wife's from Medford. Uh, she went to South Medford High School and we didn't want to raise kids in Southern California. My family spread out around the country. Hers is here locally in the Valley and we wanted to raise our children here. Excellent. And, and how many children do you have now? We now have two. We have Excellent. a one-year-old and an almost four-year-old. So you've got your hands full. Yes. And you're <laughs> about to experience the same thing, my friend. Uh, that, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. We're, we're, we're adding a, a little boy here in another month or so. So excited. excited for that. And so you moved up here and you were still working for Transamerica. We met probably fairly early on after you moved up here uh, through uh, BNI, which is a local networking group that we were are both involved in. And I think it, it it probably took a little while for me to convince you to uh, kind of take us uh, seriously over the, over here, because I think you had plans of kind of doing some things on your own here in the, the Southern Oregon area. But what brought you over here to Oregon Pacific? Well, so, yeah, you and I met probably July of 2017 is my guess about the timing. And I mean, I, I loved your, your integrity and character and everything, your reputation in the Valley and who you were and 
what the company stood for. And you're right with Transamerica, my goal was to build an office, build a, a team of some advisors and, and be able to help the community and sort of solve this injustice that I think that we have with financial illiteracy uh, locally and nationally. And I kept hitting roadblocks with the compliance departments with Transamerica. So when I kept hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, you happened to reach out to me right as I was hitting one of those roadblocks with a little bit of frustration. So I don't know if it was timing to make a decision or if it was, if it was, you know, it took me a while to make that decision, but I think the timing was right with you calling me at the same time that I was a little bit frustrated and and sort of ready for something new. So another hairy back situation. Yeah, exactly. Kind of that inflection point in your yep, life. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Turning point. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've been here now, um, uh, going on two years here. I, you've been a joy to have here in the office. You're getting now into the financial planning piece, which I know is always an important part of the uh, life insurance needs analysis and that sort of thing. But you just passed your, your Series 65, which is extremely exciting for us, so we can start working on kind of more and more complex cases. Can you just talk a little bit about uh, your investment philosophy and your philosophy working with clients? Yeah, I've always had the philosophy of doing the best thing for the client, being within their risk tolerances, making sure that they're comfortable with what's going on and they understand at the level that they can understand it of what's going on within their investments. And really not trying to time the market, but timing when they need the money. So if they have a 30-year outlook before they're going to need the money, we could afford to be a little bit more aggressive and take a little bit more risk in the market. If they're three years from needing the money, we can't take as much risk and we can't be in stuff that's more aggressive. So I've always had the philosophy of doing the right thing for the client and then collaborating with guys like you and, and other people that I respect that have been in the industry just to get a second set of eyes on it. I can come up with a fantastic plan, but somebody else could bring a different perspective to something that maybe I didn't think about that might be better for the client or they validate what I'm feeling and it makes me feel better about the recommendation that I'm making. Excellent. Excellent. What do you think your biggest challenge is right now? Time. I mean, I have a one-year-old and almost four-year-old and, and, and a family life and time to get the phone calls done and get the appointments done and, and mix all that in. And, um, you know, one of the things with Transamerica, and you always laugh at me about this, is we worked, we didn't work a normal nine to five. We worked a, you start when you start and you're done by the time you're done with your last appointment. And moving here, and it took me a little while to not work on holidays like Memorial Day and things like that, and to not be here at seven or eight o'clock at night seeing clients. So I think switching that timing has been the most challenge. And then now with the new licensing and moving some stuff over for some existing clients, some of that time is, is taken up by paperwork and making those phone calls and those recommendations and having those conversations. So, I mean, really it's time is probably the biggest challenge. Yeah. So that life work balance that everybody talks about, that seems just so elusive. I don't think it exists to be honest with you. Yeah. I really don't either. I mean, you know, it's just try to be happy in whatever moment you're in and uh, hopefully you'll get to the next one soon enough. Yeah. I try to compartmentalize stuff. I try to be here when I'm here and I try to be at home when I'm home. So I think that that balance has worked well for us. Yes. Yes. So James, you've been doing a, a lot here in the community. I mean, you really jumped in when you moved up here to the Southern Oregon area. You jumped in, I think, with both feet and got got into a lot of different areas here in the community. 
Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I, I don't think I jumped in both feet. I honestly think I jumped in head first without my hands in front of me. Um, <laughs> I think they call it like, like a squirrel dive or something. But yeah, I, I, uh, I've always had a passion for coaching and I wrestled at a high level too growing up. So I wanted to coach wrestling to help give back to the community and help give back to the sport that made me me and help with some mental toughness with some of these kids and, and get them through school and, and help create uh, good adults that are going to help the community, not hurt the community. So I started coaching wrestling voluntarily when I first moved up here and then moved on as an assistant coach. And then now I'm the head coach right now of South Medford High School, and hopefully we get a season this year. But I've also been involved with Youth 715 and, and their Emerging Leaders Program and really helping give back to a lot of these children that are uh, you know, underserved in the sense of maybe they got in trouble with the law and, and they want to get better or maybe they're... they're um, you know, lower income and need some help with some of that stuff. I, I, I like to try to give back as much as I can to the community. And I'm excited to finally be in a community where I feel like I'm going to stay, that I can give back and make a difference long term. Very nice. Very nice. Now, I know you had some some big challenges here with wrestling season and COVID. You want to talk about that? Yeah, we uh, we planned on in our off season building our program and 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 really coaching the kids and and spending a whole off season working out next and and practicing and doing all that stuff. And COVID happened, and the school district has shut down everything as far as contact sports at this point. And I have nine seniors this year that may or may not have a wrestling season, which is heartbreaking to me because some of them only do wrestling. Mm -hmm. So not having that for me, for my mental wellness too, because I enjoy it and it's kind of an outlet for me. But also I know for a lot of these kids, that's an outlet for them and, and their mental wellness. But yeah, COVID has definitely shut down everything that we were planning on doing in this off season. Mm, that, that's just terrible. That's terrible. Watch, watching what's happening to our kids in our communities because of COVID, I think it's the most heartbreaking piece that that I see, other than, you know, obviously the sickness and, and death for those who are actually affected by COVID, but just kind of that ancillary effect of hearing about kids in school and, and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, my mother-in-law works for one of the schools, and I think she said that 45% of the kids, when COVID happened and they shut down the schools, they can't contact, they can't get a hold of, they weren't on the Zooms. I know a, a lot of teachers working with the school district that they're struggling too. The teachers are because they weren't trained in the technology stuff. They weren't trained on how that stuff works. They're trying to walk through and troubleshoot stuff for the kids and for the parents that they also don't know. And I, I just think it's a, it's a stress on, on all sides. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how have you adapted with COVID for your business? Uh, well, I learned zoom very well. I'll tell you that much right now. I mean, you know, we just adapted in the sense where we're doing more over the phone and more over the computer. And I mean, we shut down the office for, I think, two months mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to where we weren't having clients. I mean, we were still here and, and kind of coming into our own little offices and shutting the door and working. But I think that it's it's made it so that distance wise, we're able to help more clients. And it's definitely helped me with my clients in California. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you still have quite a few clients in California. I do. I would probably say still 40% of my clientele is in California. Excellent. Excellent. So the other thing I wanted to touch on is we're doing some work together uh, and really trying to focus on a particular area of uh, financial planning and investment management here. Would you speak on that? 
Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the things I mentioned earlier was helping to get rid of financial illiteracy. And I don't think that stops at the employee or the consumer level. I think that also goes into the employer and the business owner level. And we've both seen that a lot of these companies, a lot of these small businesses here in Southern Oregon are grossly underserved as far as the customer service, as far as the fees, as far as you know, the business owner and the decision makers really understanding what they have and, and how to uh, maximize the potential of what they have with the 401k, but really helping businesses to understand that and then giving an education to the employees and a free financial plan if they want to take advantage of it to help them learn how to retire. Because as you well know, and many of your listeners well know, they people retire in poverty, not because they plan on it, but just because they don't know how to plan because they think that financial planners are for the rich people and that people can't afford it. And you have to have a million dollars to sit down with somebody. And that's just not true. You just have to have a desire to move forward. And, you know, just again, just bring that education to them and helping to, to solve some of the problems that we see with the 401k space and the, and the retirement space for the employees too. Yeah. And I think that that's an interesting point you bring up because there's, there's just a lot of people where their only real interaction with a financial advisor or a financial planner is through their workplace 401k. And if they're not getting access to that education, if they're not getting access to that advice, you know, it's just a challenge to try to do all of this on your own. Uh, and and if you're not maybe blessed with kind of the the curiosity there, it, it can just be hard. It can just be hard. So, so I, I want to commend you on that because I know one thing that you were looking to do was to have a lot of in-person kind of uh, meetings and educational events for people. And I know you've had to transition a lot of that over to uh, online. Yeah. Yeah, we, d- we definitely have. And I mean, I think we did two in-person ones before the COVID. And uh, yeah, we had to transition that to online. Uh, soon we'll have a video that we could send people if they're not able to make the live one and be able to help people again, just start learning about finance and start learning about that stuff. I mean, growing up, my parents made decent money, but my financial education was make good money, have good credit, you could buy whatever you want. So I did, which is what got me in trouble. <laughs> right, right. That's, that, that's, that's really not the way for, to lasting financial success is your credit rating. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. your debt load. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so for plan sponsors who might have a 401k for their business, um, what can you do for them? Yeah, well, we've taken a look at quite a few different plans recently. And what I've noticed and what I think we've noticed as a team is a lot of times they're overcharged in fees for smaller accounts. So if you have a 401k for your business that's generally under $5 million, the fees are bumped up. So the advisor who's doing it is getting paid. And also, I think that, you know, a lot of these plan sponsors and these business owners aren't fully maximizing the potential of what they have with their 401k on how they could get more money into it for their retirement, number one, and then how they could save themselves on the tax tax liability for themselves and really maximize what they're able to do. Most small businesses, they don't really plan for retirement. They plan to sell their business and retire on that, which generally is kind of hard depending on where the economy is when you get to that point. If you haven't put money away for yourself and put everything back into the business, it's kind of hard to say, hey, my business is going to be worth this in 10 years because economically it might not. 
Absolutely. And I think with COVID and everything that's happened here in the last year, just doubly important there is if you're a small business owner, how are you saving outside of your business and, and setting aside for your future independently of your business? And, and I really feel like that's where some of the most important things that we do as financial planners really come into effect of how best do we allow uh, and help uh, plan sponsors to save for retirement. So James, as, as we wrap up here, what are some of the things you would like our listeners to know about you and about coming into the office and maybe having that first appointment with you to kind of go over their financial situation? When somebody comes in to sit down with, with me particularly, you know, they're going to find somebody that's in it with them, for them, and looking out for their best interests and trying to help them get to where they want to go. And as long as they have a desire to move forward and a desire to get things done, I could be there to help coach them along the way and help keep them accountable to the things that are important to them and adjust the plan as it goes. I mean, it's a moving target at the end of the day. If you're 25 years old and you say, I want to retire at 65, that's 40 years. Obviously, stuff's going to change. You might have a child that you weren't expecting. You might have to move. You might have a fire. You might have something that happens that changes your life that you have to have that moving target. So there's flexibility in the plan. And I tell people all the time that doing a plan with me, it's not like we're dating. It's like we're getting married in the sense that I'm here long term until I'm done in the industry, which is at least another 30 years. And I think that's an excellent point is really when we sit down with someone here at Oregon Pacific is we're looking to take on a client really for the rest of their life. You know, we're building in our succession plans and building out our team so that even though James and I are on the younger side of things, especially compared to other financial advisors, we already have that 20, 30 year plan in of how, how is this firm going to continue taking care of our clients even when we're not sitting in these chairs? So I think that's a that's an excellent point you bring up. The, the other point I want to bring up uh, out of what you said is, you know, you need to have that buy-in from clients. You know, you have to have, uh, you know, someone sitting across from you who's bought into making those changes that, that you're recommending. Uh, every, so, every so often we'll, we'll sit down with somebody who's maybe not uh, in the meeting because of their own, uh, their own decision, and maybe they're dragged there. So it's making sure that everyone is kind of on the same page there for implementing that plan and making sure you're moving in the, in the same direction with everyone in the meeting. Yeah, definitely. Well, James, I just want to say thank you for taking the time here to kind of go through, give us an update on, on who you are, what you've been doing, and uh, where you're taking your practice. It's uh, it's exciting to see, and uh, I, I'm certainly glad you're here. You, you've demonstrated nothing but, uh, you know, regard for clients, putting their needs above your own, and uh, just, a, just a desire to do the right thing for everybody you come in contact with. So it's a true pleasure to have you here in the office. Thank you, Roy. It's a pleasure being here, and, and thank you for having me on your podcast again. My pleasure. My pleasure. Eric, we'll throw it back over to you. Guys, this was fantastic. Uh, James, I learn more and more about you each time you come on. I had no idea that your path and my path were incredibly similar uh, education-wise. I started uh, just slightly in a slightly different field. I was in telekinesisology. Uh, which again, I also had to shave a guy's back, but without touching him. And <laughs> then, <clears throat> so I changed professions, but for slightly different reasons than you. Uh, and if you ever meet that guy, be sure to speak toward his right ear, not his left, because, and that's all I'm legally allowed to say about that case. Anyway, anyway, Royal, 
Thanks for bringing him on. He's a, he's a riot. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> Not sure where to go from here, are you, Royal? <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, then let's just close <laughs> he, this down. Go ahead. He's James. not at a loss for words often, so this is kind of fun. Oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah, this is. I think this is the first time I've gotten him on a podcast like that. So, <laughs> all right, Royal. Again, you always bring on the best guests, and and this one was local, so homegrown. And uh, keep on mentoring him, and and keep on growing him in the way that Oregon Pacific Financial does. Will do. Absolutely. All right. And the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share this podcast with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planners Financial Services. Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not meant to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.